So today we're going to be kicking off the series, The Gift, and we're going to kick off with an Advent series. And for those of you who are not familiar with Advent, typically Advent is a part of the, the liturgical tradition, liturgical calendar that kicks off the kind of the first, the closest Sunday, which is today to November 30th, all the way up until Christmas. And for some of you, you may know it as, you know, those little chocolate boxes that, have, that you get to open every day, the Advent calendars. Thank you. Some people know what I'm talking about. We have to make sure everyone has their own Advent calendar because they fight, my children fight over chocolate. So um, if you've not already broken that out, um, this is simply an opportunity to just kind of uh, the hope and expectation, right? We know Jesus has already come and we celebrate his birthday, but it's such a time of hope and expectation because I don't know about you, but I don't know anyone who's not, you know, hoping in, in for, for greater levels of freedom or things in their life that they've been praying about. And so it's just a time of expectation um, as we prepare to celebrate, as well as it's a time that we don't often hear about. It's just a time um, during the year as we close out another calendar year to really think about, hey, this is, we're actually expecting the second coming of Christ, which we don't talk about all the time, but truly that, that Christ is coming again. And so it's an opportunity to reflect on our hearts and really to say, okay, God, is there anything in me? Is there any gift you want to give me? Are there greater things you want to do in my life that you want to heal? And so it's such an opportunity for reflection as we head into a new year. So before, <clears throat> excuse me, this winter weather, you guys, we've got the humidifiers out at our house, and uh, this weather in, in the mask aren't helping. Thank you for your grace. Um, today, I've discovered two things about this gift of peace that I want to unwrap today. And the first is that it is the most wonderful gift that we could ever receive. To be able to have peace that passes all understanding in the midst of life's uncertain circumstances and situations, right, it's just, it's a gift that is priceless. And secondly, I have found that it is the most unwrapped gift <laughs> that we leave under the tree, if you will, the proverbial tree, and we don't access it. Even though we have full access as sons and daughters of Christ, when we invite Christ into our life, we essentially say, Prince of Peace, come abide in me. And yet sometimes we still act as if we don't have the gift. We don't have access to the gift. And so I hope today to kind of unpack from the life of, the, of Mary, the mother of Jesus, three practical ways that we can actually have peace in our everyday lives. How I many know the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword? That means you could have read the Christmas story, and maybe some of us have, a hundred times. But today, you read it with an open spirit, an open heart, and God can speak a word right into your situation today. And that is the hope and the expectation, because what I do know is that those who come hungry to hear from God, the, you will be filled. It's a promise. When you come with expectation, God wants to speak to you today. This is not a Sunday check the box. It never has been, never will be a Catalyst Church. But it's a place, an opportunity to allow God to speak to your spirit and raise faith on the inside of you. Are you ready for that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that it is to unpack your word, God, together be able to gather, Father, especially after a year like last year, God, we're so grateful. God, let us not be so far removed, God, that we take for granted the gathering together. God, the opportunity to open your word and hear and apply and what you're doing here in this Catalyst Church family and even be connected around the world, God, through online. God, we're, we're gracious. We, we're so grateful. God, we thank you. Father, I ask that you would speak to every individual under the sound of my voice. God, 
speak exactly the word they need to hear today in their lives and bring peace, God, to all of the situations that pass all understanding. God, that can only come in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Old Testament word for this word peace is actually shalom. And when you break that down, essentially shalom means a wholeness, an ease, safety, security. Feeling relaxed? Can we keep going? Right? Um, it's health. It's prosperity of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. To be at peace. A peace that's not actually contingent upon your circumstances or your situations or your rocky relationships or your financial status. Are you hearing me? This, this is a peace that passes all of that. It's much, much deeper than that. And in the New Testament, peace is actually translated in the Greek as irene, which simply means a quietness and a rest. You ready for some quietness and a rest this season? I mean, no, it's possible. Even though it is a busy, full season of, of hustle, you know, of, of hustle and bustle, let us not miss this opportunity to quiet our souls and hear from God. He is the gift. He gave Jesus as a gift to us. And if we're not careful, then we'll rush on through the holidays and completely miss the point. In the government of God's kingdom, peace is actually the fruit of living in the kingdom with him, where the king reigns. And so that means that we have access to a different kind of lifestyle, a different kind of peace that can only come through him. Romans 14, 17 says, the, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, right standing with God, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So peace can only come through way of the Holy Spirit's help. Aren't you glad he didn't leave us alone? He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit as your helper. And we know that it is possible to experience this peace, even if it logically doesn't make sense, right? And it, and it shows up in situations in our life that just aren't peaceful in the natural. In fact, if I were the devil, and I am not, just wondering, the, if I was the enemy of your soul, here's what I would do. I would set you up, as he has me, in situations for you to lose your peace. I would set you up in so many that you would get so discouraged that you might just quit. Or, better yet, you would completely question the existence of God. At his core goal is that you would forget whose son and daughter that you are. You question that he is even there or that he even cares. And that you don't have meaning and you don't have purpose. Now, there are voices in culture that are telling us that. But I have come to remind us as sons and daughters of the living God, that he has called us higher. And so if we'll take the invitation to get to know him, there is a fountain of fruit that he wants to produce in our lives, not because we muster it, right, or we can put it on, but because it comes from a relationship with him, right? Not one of rules and regulations and check boxes and religious Christmas services, no, I'm talking about the kind where God speaks to you and you get freedom from a deep place. In fact, C.S. Lewis says, enemy-occupied territory, that is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. And you might say landed in disguise. And he's calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage on the kingdom of darkness. How's that for a mission for our lives? 
Is that exciting? You're like, no, I'd rather not. <laughs> For my personality tight, I'm like, yes, let's go, right? Now, this enemy-occupied territory is described in one of Paul's letters in Galatians 5. You ready for it? Get ready. Because it definitely gets your anxiety on high. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Are, are you starting to feel uneasy? Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and alike. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God but rather as kingdom ambassadors, and that is who you are. So maybe that is news for some of you, that God has put you on the planet to be a reflection of his glory, male and female. You are here on the earth to be a reflection of his glory, not perfection, because it's impossible for those of us who are recovering perfectionists. I understand your pain. We are not him. But man, if we can just shine a fraction of his light to the world around us to shine the hope of Jesus like the stars that we put on our trees that is worth celebrating in fact Galatians 5 22 and 24 says but the fruit of the spirit rather this is how I've called you to live love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness take a deep breath that's a much better way. Gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. He's not asking us to do this alone. It's not fruit that can be produced out of performance. It comes out of an overflow of relationship. To, to complete surrender, to allow God to be who he is in us. In fact, this gift of hope, the Prince of Peace, is what the prophet Isaiah called him. He landed in disguise, fully man, fully God, a lowly, unassuming baby born to a teenager who was a virgin. I mean, that is enough to get your attention, right? Or either she was a liar, which we don't believe, okay? And he was, it was marked by miraculous signs and wonders, stars in the sky. You've heard the story. It was prophesied 700 years before he came by the prophet Isaiah that the hope of the world was going to come in a package that nobody thought he would and some just wouldn't like. And I wonder today if you might find yourself in some circumstances with problems and situations in a way that a package that you didn't expect, you frankly don't like, and don't want. But I believe that there is a gift of peace right in the middle of your situation and circumstance, even if your situations and circumstances don't change. And that is the gift that God wants to give us today, church. And we're going to unwrap some really practical ways we can do this. It's easy to be peaceful when our bank accounts are full, our kids are acting straight, right? They're not, they're not acting the fool and being crazy. <laughs> right? Situation, circumstances we can control, no surprises at work, no family drama. Come on, I think I heard an amen, right? Everything's going as planned, prescribed, prescribed on our timelines and our situations exactly. You got married, you had children when you wanted to, or you 
You, you know, you landed the vice president role or president role when you had put in your prescribed, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But that is not how the gift of peace often uh, gets exercised in our life. In fact, it shows up in circumstances that are quite contrary to that. So today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at the story, the birthplace of Jesus. And we are going to read this story together and really extract three practical ways that I believe Mary unwrapped peace in a situation that just wasn't peaceful. It wasn't a peaceful setup. So go with me, either on the screens or on your phones. Some of us still use paper. It's just real heavy to carry around. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Underline that one. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word, be, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So the first thing that we, have, that we see here and that I, I believe is, is a practical tip for unwrapping this gift of peace this season is to take active inventory of our thought life. You know, scholars actually believe Mary to be 13 years old. Now, whether you are a parent or you that 13-year-old who has now found herself pregnant with the Son of God, I don't know about you, but my thoughts would probably be racing, Right? I would be definitely thinking, what in the world? Number one, what are my parents going to say? What is my fiancé going to say? I'm sure he's going to believe my story that I had been with no one, right? I am so sure that she was filled with a flood of anxiety and stress and what will people think? What will they think? Because in that particular culture, that was absolutely taboo. That would bring shame, not only on yourself, but on your family, and in some cases, even death. Can you imagine, for a moment, put yourself in Mary's shoes, whether, you know, what you might be thinking. And yet, we see she has a choice here in what she chooses to think on. And we have choices every day, every single day. If your spouse, you know, doesn't do something that they said they were going to do, right, and then you, you find yourself maybe saying some not-so-nice words in your head. Don't look at me so holy. Because they let you down, or they didn't meet your expectations. Or your boyfriend or your girlfriend didn't text you back 
for days after a really heavy conversation about where in the world is this relationship going, right? And you begin to rehearse over and over and over, what did you say, what did you do, what's wrong with you? You didn't get the job, you got passed up for the promotion. And the myriad of thoughts begin, why me? I'm not qualified. Is there something wrong with me? What am I missing? Why didn't this work out? And all, you, you know they're all too familiar. And the common denominator is it's an accusing spirit, which we know comes from the enemy. That's his MO. He's an accuser of the brethren. That's who he is. And so I would assume that Mary is having these same types of thoughts happening in her head, and yet she chooses to focus in on a couple words that we find in verse 37, where the angel says, you are highly favored. So I want to remind you today that you are highly favored of the Lord. Regardless of what you did last night, that you walked in this morning and you're feeling heavy or shameful. You're feeling heavy about the thoughts you had towards that relative over the holidays. Can I tell you, Maybe it was loving conviction, not condemnation. I want to tell you that God, he's not an accuser of the brethren. In fact, his kindness leads us to repentance. He loves you, and he's crazy about you. And you are highly, highly, highly favored of the Lord. The word speaks today. It's the same today, yesterday, and forever. And they're coming off the page because I, I just feel like she, she caught something in this moment. I'm highly favored. Wait, this situation does not sound very favorable. <laughs> in fact, this is going to completely ruin my name, the name of my family. Wait a minute. I'm highly favored. What did God say? And then he said that no word from God in verse 37 would ever fail. So that means that if a good, good God has given me this word in a very difficult situation, then he has every plan to fulfill it. He's not going to stop here. He's going to see me through. And even if he doesn't see me through the way I thought, I know that he's a good God and that he loves me and that I am highly favored of the Lord. And so she chooses. In fact, I love the King James versions because it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Church, perhaps we suffer from discouragement, from a heart that's discouraged this season. I want to declare to you, as that angel declared, for with God, nothing is impossible. Every week, I hear miracles of relationships mending. Every week, I hear stories of people who couldn't conceive after years and years and years are having babies. Let me stir your faith. If God has spoken to you a word, whether we interpret it in the way that we think it should happen, that's for point two or not. God will be faithful. He will be faithful to us. In fact, we see a spiritual battle going on for Mary's heart, for her belief system. In fact, we see here that it's, it's a spiritual battle going on, not only in, 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 the, in the natural, because it's, it's, it's an unrestful situation, but it's also spiritual. And I wonder 
if we might just, if we got our eyes off the fact that it's a naturally not peaceful situation and we were able to see, wait a minute, I'm at a spiritual battle. Why would the enemy cause a spirit, why would there be a battle over this unless God had a promise on the other side for us? And just the change in perspective can give us the strength to move forward in the midst of hard situations. In fact, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is not an autopilot thing. This is going to be the hardest work of your life. But it's called a marathon called life. Whether that you are just now walking with Christ and starting a relationship or whether you've walked with him for 20, 30 years, I promise you, you will hit some situations and some circumstances that are going to challenge your faith and your core on what you believe. And it's going to do just what the enemy intended it to do. Is God good? Is he really true to his word? We've heard this before. It started in the garden. Is God good? Is he trustworthy? Can you really trust his word? And this is his tactic. And so what I've found, and I feel like I'm on mission with my life, is, hey, enough. Enough is enough. I'm going to expose the tactic. You are a lot, you are a lot more um, <laughs> probable that you will, you will overcome if you can see the enemy's tactics and you know how to overcome it. And God's word is one of those weapons. You're going to have to learn to stand on his promises and see circumstances that are tough and say, God, help me find your peace in it. Because that's where you get strong. It's like going to the gym, right? I've been told at times, man, you've got some weak areas. And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather just work the strong ones. And the trainer continues to remind me as I age, uh, you need to pay attention to the backside. And I'm like, uh, but that is very painful. And he's like, exactly. Because you need to strengthen the areas that are weak. And so how many know we're going to have to be put in some situations that are a little painful in order to work the peace muscles and call on the Prince of Peace in those situations. Are you hearing me? It's too easy to keep your peace, and it's too easy to take the credit. When everything's going good, I'm good, because it's built on false sense of peace. It's not the real thing. What the real thing is, is able to have peace in the midst of hard situations. That's what Paul tells us, church. That is when people ask, who is your God? Who do you put your faith in? You shouldn't be joyful in this situation. You shouldn't be so stable. But the grace of God. But the grace of God. When the enemy whispered, oh, you're, you're not a good parent. You're at, your kids are acting crazy. You're working too much. You're doing this too much. What is the common denominator? An accusing spirit. That is his intent. Is to steal your peace, steal your joy, and steal the things that God has brought, that he, that, he, that he brought to us, that he gave us access to. And that's when you have to fight with the word. Psalms 91, 10, 11, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Come on, that's for somebody. For he will command his angels concerning you and your household to guard you in all of your ways. When the enemy rattles you, and attacks you with thoughts of inadequacy and failure. When you miss the mark, when you miss the mark at work, when you have comments that are sharp and it hurts people, that was his intent. 
He wanted to discourage you so much that you would give up. And I have news for him that 2 Corinthians 12.10, this is for somebody too, for my note takers and my non-note takers. You might want to write this one down. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, and I'm going to add inch my shortcomings. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When the enemy attacks your very identity, obsessively, to get you focused on your weaknesses, to get you off course, to convince you that you're not qualified, to be a parent, to be a spouse, to be the boss, to be that employee. That's his intent. It's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to throw you off your game. And he wants to exploit opportunities all the time to steal your peace. And that is when we have to remind him of Psalms 139.14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made in my shortcomings and all. And God equips the called. You are called. You are called to be ambassadors of hope. Don't let the accuser whisper to you any longer. And sometimes, and a lot of times, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself, especially when the battle heats up. You need some battle buddies. Can I get an amen? I have had some battle buddies in my life. And I thank God for them. Because when I wanted to give up, beating myself up. They said, no, 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 you're good. Come on, you can get up. You can do this. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. And we were not meant to do this alone. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to isolate us so he can take us out. That's what he does. And so I want to remind you that this is why we have even, you know, we're so big on community here because we know that life heats up. Life is hard. Choose your heart. You want to make it harder? Isolate yourself. You want to make it easier on yourself? You better surround yourself with some battle buddies. And we'll give you plenty of opportunities to do that. You know, when Jeremy and I stepped out to plant Catalyst Church, I would like to tell you that the circumstances were so perfect. The stars aligned, and it was like, yes, I have heard God audibly. There is no resistance in my path. That is not what happened at all. In fact, we heard God's word after a time of deep pain and hardship in a season. We actually heard him call us to step out. And when I say everything's by faith, how I many know you you know we hear by we, we hear the word of God by faith, right? So we hear this word and we're like, okay, I'm pregnant with my third child at that point, which was a little bit of a surprise. Um, and so that was like another like, wow, what a blessing. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do here, right? And so we have, we have this going on personally. I was in the middle of some mergers and acquisitions at work. And that was very stressful for anyone who's gone through that. It was just a situation. Jeremy had just stepped out to really do this. He was starting to make plans to step out. There was so much uncertainty. And it was far more than I could handle in my flesh. And I remember saying, God, you better speak to me. If you don't speak to me, I don't think I'm going to make it through this. This is too hard. Like crazy people do this. Welcome to the club. And I'll never forget 
This is why it's so important. You are gonna, if, you, <laughs> if you hang out Catalyst long enough, you are going to hear us tell you a million times, the best gift we can give you is to help you recognize that you can hear for God for yourself. It's the best gift. If you leave this place and we don't equip you to hear from God yourself, and if you have questions about that, please talk to us. Because I believe that you can. I know that you can. My word tells me that you can. And you are going to have to hold on like a life raft, and in some cases, a pillow. So, God gave me Isaiah 55, 12 when I was going through that, and it was nice because I had a big bump, too. And sometimes I just needed to hold it because it wasn't enough just to read it, church. I had to, I had to hold it tight. You will go out in joy, Christina, and sometimes you need to put your name in there because you've got to make it personal. We serve a personal God. He is not distant from us. He is in the suffering and the pain with you too. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Regardless of what you think you've done, you think you've gone too far, ha, he will chase you to the ends of the earth and he has done that for me, quite literally. You will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song for you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. As an extroverted person, pre-children, no, I still am, I really am. I just, it's just really loud, really loud in my house. So I now value silence. Jeremy's like, what do you want for your birthday? It's a big one coming up. I was like, just, just, just give me a hotel by myself, please. <laughs> but as an extrovert, one of my biggest fears was that we would go alone, that we would be alone. And what I discovered was there was a lie deep down inside that leadership had to be lonely. And I know that sounds really good in leadership classes, but that's a really terrible way to live. And yeah, you may not have a ton of friends, but number one, God is my best friend, and there's gonna be some people in your life along the journey who will stick with you, thick and thin, bad and good. When you mess up thoroughly, they're gonna keep speaking faith over you. And here's what the Lord did. Look around this room. We can't even see the hundreds today that are tuning in online, thanks to the pandemic. Again, <laughs> looking for the silver lining. <laughs> Peace in the unrestful situations and circumstances that are hard. God is good, church. And we have to stand on his word no matter what. Fight for it with your life. In fact, Mark Batterson, who is senior pastor at uh, National Community here in town, as well as a new recent overseer board member of Catalyst Church. So grateful for the years of wisdom that he brings to this house. And um, he, he says this in his new book, Do It For A Day. Highly recommend it. It's challenging. Um, says, if you are waiting for your, all your proverbial stars to align with perfect conditions to obey God, you just won't. Let me say that again for those of you who might have missed that. If you are waiting for all your proverbial stars to align with perfect conditions to obey God, you just won't. So what are you waiting for? When God speaks to you, with whatever it is, you've got to hold him at his word. 
Maybe you need to go to one of these fun art classes and put it on a pillow. Do what you gotta do. Write it on your wall. Write it on your mirror. Put it in your journal. Go old school. Yeah, I still write scriptures in my journal. It's old school, but it works. Do what you gotta do. And here's what's happening. You're tattooing it on your heart. You're tattooing it on your heart so that it becomes the truth that comes up in you when you are faced with difficult circumstances and situations. Because remember, the record player of thoughts is pretty negative in our flesh. Well, we've got to rewrite the script. We have to renew our mind actively until the truth becomes the truth in our lives. And so this week, I want you to think about it, um, as most of you, maybe some of you just got back from traveling or you're getting ready to travel or in the holiday season. Let me know, you don't pass TS, you don't get on an airplane unless you go through TSA, okay? And you're probably not taking much with you either. So they're going to take everything from you. Don't try to take gifts. They're going to unwrap, unwrap them. So just like you can't go to your next destination, you can't go where you're going unless you go through the checkpoint, the same is true for our thought life. You cannot go to the next place God's calling you to until you check your thoughts at the door. God is calling us to go higher, church, but he's gonna, it's going to require the renewing of our minds in order to take the next step, personally, corporately, as a nation. We're going to have to, to, to decide, is anything possible with God? Is that the truest word in your life? And this week, I want you to just take note. When you start to feel restless, you, you start to feel those thoughts going, I just want you to do a TSA check. All right, what's going on? And what I've found really helpful is to ask myself some questions. Okay, is this true? Does it align with God's heart? What, what is it producing? Is it producing like anxiety and stress and all the works of the flesh we just read about? Or, or is, it, is it producing peace and life? And we have to do the hard work, the hard yards, because we, the, enemy, the enemy loves to almost... What happens is we build up strongholds in our minds and our thought patterns. And so one lie kind of compounds upon another and compounds upon another. And before we know it, we don't even realize that we've, we're now walking in the lies, not the truth. And so unfortunately, sometimes they can be demolished just like that. But a lot of times we got to take them down brick by brick, layer by layer, onion layer by onion layer. And then the most important part is that we're rebuilding we have to replace it with the truth of God's word and, his, and things that align with his character, which leads us to the second point, which is if we're going to unwrap peace, we have to surrender to what we had in mind. We have to surrender to what we had in mind. Luke 1, 39 through 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt, for, leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. 
Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her prom- uh, fulfill his promises to her. And what we see, and this is what I love about the Lord, he is basically, I, I think, again, God sees, number one, he, he built us to be in community, right? To build, he, we're not meant to be loners. He's put us in community with others for a reason. And I love how God is not like, hey, here you go, Mary, good luck, right? He's like, no, 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 remember? He reminded her, hey, your, your sister Elizabeth, or your cousin Elizabeth, rather, is going through something very similar. Not the same, but very similar, because she's actually in her old age, and she's been hoping for children her whole life. And so I've just now showed up. So she knows what it's like to wait. She knows what a hard situation's like, and I'm actually going to pair you two up so that you can be encouraged through your journey. You're gonna encourage her, she's gonna encourage you, right? We know that the baby's left. We do not have time to go into their story, but let me tell you, you have got to go do your homework. Go read, go back to Luke chapter one this month and read the story because it is awesome. It is awesome. And I pray that none of us, God needs to shut our mouth because we don't believe a promise. Jesus, help us. Like, talk about some thick skin. I'm giving it away, I'm just giving you a little cliffhanger. Go back. The word of God is very interesting. It's better than any, any, any TV show. So here we are. I've lost my point. Yeah. So we see that, that Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. Sometimes you need somebody else from the outside that's not in your shoes, in your situation, who will walk alongside of you to say, hey, I see that this situation is hard, but let me tell you, you are going to get through it. And not only are you going to get through it, you are going to come out a better version of yourself. Because I see God working. You see, I believe that Mary was probably still really pondering these words. In fact, the Bible tells us that. And she's probably like, okay, how in the world? What in the world? Like, she's probably still like, oh, I'm, you know, just because you hear a word doesn't mean you're ready to walk in it the next day. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to prepare our hearts. And so I believe Mary's in a preparation process, and thank goodness she had nine months to prepare. You know, I used to think uh, babies are just like poof, you know? It's like boom, pregnant, there. No, it is nine months of a lot of change happening inside of you. And so in God's graciousness, it's not like, but, but I think he, she, he, she needed some encouragement. And sometimes it takes somebody else speaking truth In fact, she's prophesying to her. She says, blessed is she who has believed. Did Mary believe yet? I mean, I think she did, but she was kind of working it out. You believe that God is good, but do you believe that God is good? You believe, yeah, he'll come through. Do you believe that he'll come through? Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference. Oh, how you doing at church? I'm good. I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. Are you blessed and highly favored? Like, or are you, I'm blessed and highly favored, I'm good. There's a difference. To know something, and the only way we know something is if we walk through something, and sometimes you need people to come alongside of you to keep you encouraged. In fact, this word surrender, actually, by definition, is choosing to cease my resistance. Cease my resistance. This means, God, I surrender to your ways. Your ways are higher. 
I don't see how you're going to do this. I, this is not my plan. I submit it to you. It's surrender. This is not how I would have done it, God. This is not how I would have liked things to, to roll out. This is not the life circumstances I thought. You know? But it is in this place of surrender that I believe this process of surrender that Mary became the mother of Jesus. She became it. She became the woman who was going to be able to bear her son being nailed to a cross. And there's a becoming, church, that Christ, he, you know, we, as we celebrate Advent, he's coming. And you know what my Bible tells me? He's coming for a pure and spotless bride. You and I are that bride. I don't know about you, but I have some work. God needs to do some work on me. It's a becoming process. But we can't become until we're awakened to the fact that, man, God has more for us. And that's why you're here, and that's why we're going to do it in community, because you can't do it alone. Life is too hard, and the enemy wants you knocked out. He wants you to stop believing in the goodness of God. He wants you to stop believing that all things are possible with Christ who strengthens you. That's his end goal. And so we have to stay in community. We have to be vulnerable with one another. We have to take the mask off. Hey, I'm walking through something. It's really hard. Even this morning, before the first service, some of the dream team here that, that gets here, you know, at 7 a.m., they, they, we, we had a time of prayer. And I really sensed the Lord was saying, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm near to the brokenhearted. Life is hard. You can't do it alone. And we begin to pray over one another, to have strength, to be strengthened in the Lord. That is the beauty of the body of Christ. And you can't benefit from that unless you're plugged in. God doesn't want you to do this alone. In fact, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. We're going to have to learn to walk by faith and not by sight until you see it. <laughs> we had to walk by faith that God had put catalysts in our hearts until I see it, until I saw it. And God is saying the same for you, whatever those promises, God's, you, whatever he's stirring in your heart, whatever, whatever thing has come into your mind this morning, he wants to speak some faith in your heart. In fact, A.W. Tozer says, the reason why many are so troubled, are still troubled, still seeking, still making little pro forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. In other words, we don't like pain. We want to get out of it. <laughs> I want out of this relationship. I want out of this situation. I want out of this workplace. It's too hard. I want out. And he's saying, find the gift of peace. And it, Jesus is the gift of peace, and he is in it with you. He's in it. In fact, even preparing for this message, um, <laughs> so... My preference is that I would have endless hours of quiet study on a holiday week with no school, no structure, lots of sugar. And in my mind, I am, I am an optimist, 
and I'm a planner, and so I'm like, yes, this is how I'm going to do this, right? I've got plenty of time to plan, or da, 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 you know, and it, it doesn't, actually, the reality is nothing like I pictured ever, really. And I remember a couple times, I was like, Lord, don't you see? I'm trying try to hear from you. <laughs> Could you just give me some peace and quiet? I studied for this message on a bathroom floor in a closet in an office where I double locked the door <laughs> only to hear children screaming and beating as if they were dying outside. And at one point, I'm pretty sure I heard my husband being like, if you, it, number one, he, he did lie, so he needs to repent for that. Your mother is not here. She's not here. <laughs> Which I was there, really. But he was, and he's like, and if you go up there, take it away to Tindo and you're grounded for your life. Yeah, so it, I just, I'm glad I just burst any visions that you have of like, oh, the Burroughs, they must sit in their quiet little office. And no, we're in it. We're in it with everybody else, fighting for a word from the Lord, hearing him, doing what he says, when it's hard, over and over and over and over. Everybody has their own battles to fight. Everybody has their own situations that are hard. Everybody has a diff different definition of hard. Therefore, we should not judge one another. We should be there for each other. We should walk with each other through this thing called life. Are there any areas of your life that you are still resisting God's grace? I had to lean into grace just to get this message out of me and to you. Are there any areas you need to relinquish? control? Are there any areas you avoid because it requires you to operate in your weakness, which just feels too vulnerable? That's probably the area God wants to work the most, <laughs> by his grace, as you surrender. So this week, I want you to ask God, what areas are you calling me to surrender as we prepare in this time of Advent for kind of, you know, Jesus' second coming, God, how can I become more like you? What areas are you speaking to in my life? What areas do I need to, to cease my resistance and give in to what you're doing in my life? Which leads us to the third point. Worship with your whole heart. Worship with your whole heart. If we want to experience peace, we're going to have to learn how to wield the weapon of our warfare, which is worship. That's one of them. He gives us many tools. But worship. In fact, Luke 1, 46, we're going to finish up the story here so we know after Mary has an encounter with her her cousin and she gets encouraged to do this something clicks for her and she begins to praise the Lord Mary said my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now on all generations will be blessed will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful 
to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. You know, there's been seasons, church, where I've neglected personally the practice of worship um, because there were other spiritual disciplines that my spirit craved even more, like silence and solitude. Can't imagine why. But what I have found is you need a balanced diet of spiritual disciplines. If you've missed any of the Rhythms of Life spiritual discipline series we've done, go back and find the podcast because the reality is we often are malnutritioned, if you will, because we, we just like our diet. That's what we want. That's what we eat, right? But the reality is that God has given us a lot of spiritual disciplines and practices that will help us go the distance. And worship is one of those. Because what it does is it requires our surrender, right? Because I have to surrender even my mind to say, how is singing going to solve my problem? Can I I be honest? How is that going to change anything? It's going to change me. It's going to change you. The international sign of surrender are hands up. That's why we... we, passionately raise our hands because it's a reminder to my body you are not in control flesh god is and my flesh is going to take direction from my spirit not the other way around let's not get that out of order and sometimes it does can i help you out it's all right that's an opportunity for me to repent change my mind i don't know i'm going to change my mind Say, God, I'm sorry. Would you get me in alignment? Forgive me for being prideful. For me to think that I actually have this, that I can do this on my own. No, you can't. You can't. You can't can't walk through having peace and joy in every situation without the Holy Spirit's help. We were created with a God-sized hole that only he can fill. But it's going to take our surrender, and it's going to take in that surrender our worship, true worship. Can I tell you, the best kind of worship is the kind where you're like, man, I have, I, I have tried everything, God. I can't change the situation. Would you change me? Brokenness, contrite spirit, humility. God can do so much with that. I love how I was reminded that the Old Testament, before... Before, um, you know, soldiers would go to war, they would actually send out the worshipers, the, the, the vocalists, the musicians, and, and they would break up the fallow ground, if you will. This is spiritual warfare. In this case, it was literal warfare. And they would send them out to sing. In fact, Psalms 150, 1 through 6, the little shepherd boy we, we talk about, the one who became the king, the lover and the warrior, him, He says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the mighty heavens, praise him in his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with trumpet sounds, praise him with strings and pipes, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. When we submit ourselves in that way, something happens on the inside of us spirit submitted to to God and his ways. In fact, Billy Graham, American evangelist, says 
I can't remember how many times I have felt like God was a million miles away. And then, in an instant, I recognized that he was closer than the air that I breathed. Worship is a declaration of our weakness in God's strength. The next time you don't feel like worshiping, I want you to remind yourself, you know what, flesh? Here's what I know. Decisions lead, feelings follow. And here's what I know. Worship is a declaration of my weakness in this situation. And I don't like to feel weak. But you know what? I've submitted and surrendered to the fact that your ways are higher than mine. And if you say that my weakness, me operating in my weakness, you working in your weakness is his strength, then God be the glory. It's time. It's time, church, to move forward. When work tasks are overwhelming, and they are for all of us, when the tasks are endless, the goals and the, the, the timelines and relationships are difficult, and your children, they never stop wanting. And you feel, God, where are you? We have to remind ourselves, Hebrews 13, 15, through him, let us constantly and at all times offer to God a sacrifice of praise. There's a reason it's a sacrifice. Sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of my lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess to you. And I need your help. I need your help. And just this week before Thanksgiving, I'd planned a two-hour window to clean the house before my, my in-laws, my mother-in-law got there. That's a way to honor her, right? Like, I don't want her tripping over toys. And I had a nice little plan in my unstructured day. In fact, I'd structured it for them. And I was like, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. Great. I'm going to clean. It's going to be awesome. And Abby had a different plan. Abby is our youngest, and she's three years old. If you have a three-year-old toddler, you have watched a three-year-old toddler. You have watched a three-year-old toddler from afar. There's nothing neat and nice about them in their trail. And so I would clean, you know, she's like, I want to help clean, Mommy, you know, which is sweet. And, and I'm like, and I'm doing something, and then she, like, creates a mess. How do you create a mess out of, like, Lysol cleaner? Like, how do you do that? They do it. And in this moment, I just felt the Spirit of God just kind of just quicken me. So I didn't feel like it. I put my worship music on for the next two hours, and I sang while I cleaned, and can I tell you something happened inside of me? Because what I said is, hey, flesh, sit down, spirit, rise up. It's that practical. It's going to take your decision to worship in your warfare. Psalms 18:34, and I'll end with this. Psalms, uh, David said, you've trained me with the weapons of warfare. Worship. Worship. Big, mighty King David. He was a lover and he was a fighter. <laughs> we have to learn how. It, our lover, the lover comes from worship, worshiping God with our whole selves, even the fruit of our lips, so that we can be great warriors. It's both and, not either or. So I want you to experience the power of worship this week. I want to hear testimonies. I want you to come tell me. I want you to tell me how you used worship as your warfare this week. And I want you to testify of what it did to you. Because that is the point. It strengthens you. strengthens your inner man. And so just like we do TSA checks, here's the challenge for all of us. If we're going to go to our next de destination, just like the TSA 
I want you to do the TSW. I think that works out. Check your thought life. Check your level of surrender and check your worship. Every time you lose your peace, checkpoint. I can't go to the next place unless I check my thought life, I check my level of resistance <laughs> to whatever God's doing, and I check my worship. And we do it every day until it becomes our rhythm of life. 